my job as the owner, as the visionary, as CEO, whatever fancy title you want to throw on yourself, um, is to support the team. I need to give them the tools, but they're in charge of their own success. Something I say to every team member when I onboard, I say, Jesse, Josh, who's in charge of your success? You, right? And ideally you respond with that. And if you don't, I made a hiring mistake, right? <laughs> but who's in charge of your success? And then, you know, Josh is in charge of his success. Jesse's in charge of his success. Okay, got it. I agree. And I think the way this relationship is going to work is I want you to be in charge of your success and I'm going to give you the tools to do that. And when you feel like you don't have the tools to do that, you leverage me. I'm here to support you to be successful, but you're in charge of being successful, right? Your personal trainer just gives you the tools, mm -hmm. but he can't make you do the workout, Yeah, yeah. right? You're in charge of your own health success, business success, financial, romantic, whatever. Um, you like have to do the things. There's no way around it. What's up, Ajay? How are you doing, bro? What's up, Jesse? What's up, Josh? Appreciate up, you guys man? having me on. Belt winner. Two times in a row. <laughs> How does that feel? It feels good, man. Honestly, I think the, uh, the, the biggest compliment about it is there's so many brilliant people here that just strive to give value. Um, so it's just such a compliment, man, when, when people vote for you and, and say you were somebody that, that gave them value. I know I've gotten so much from CG, so mm. it feels good knowing that I also give back to the community. Mm. Dude, I'm just feeling really salty because I put my bid in for that belt as well, right, right before lunch, and I was like, "Dang, I think maybe I got a shot at this." And then Ajay just comes in; he's the presentation number eight out of eight. Comes in, dude, sinks the three, and it's just like it's done. Yo, it's over. You, I didn't even see half the presentation. And I still voted for him. Yeah, man, you killed it. It was cra it's crazy because I feel like there have been CGs where honestly, like towards the end, it's like, dude. I don't know how much longer I can pay attention. This We're struggling here, but you, like, the whole day, honestly, our room was, like, great. Our room was great. I, I agree. There were a lot of good presentations yeah. in there, and uh, Jesse's was really good. Like, it was fire. I will say I got some recency bias, right, because I was the last <laughs> one of the day, so I think I got to leave an impression at the mm. end of the day. Um, that being said, though, our room was stacked. We had some some heat in there. Yeah. Yeah. And Josh will be here having us do the jumping jacks. I was like, <laughs> man, I really thought I had no, no. <laughs> It's all good, bro. Man. It's okay. No, I just needed to get that out before I built up some resentment. Oh, man. Like, I don't know. Nah, man, like we just got to take things. notes. <laughs> I know. It's actually about to be a roast, man. There's going to be a big gotcha podcast. Isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but can you tell us a little bit about your origin story? It was when I got out of college that my journey started. I got six weeks into corporate and just figured out it wasn't for me. Um, I didn't quit right on the spot. You know, I was still stacking up some cash, sort of figuring it out. But, um, man, I'm just somebody who does not like my time or income being under anybody's control except for my own. I learned mm -hmm. that really, really young. I'll tell a quick story. When I was 19 years old, I interned for Cummins, you know, the big mm -hmm. engine company. You see diesel trucks, all that stuff. Uh, great company to work for. Really good culture, work-life balance, management, all the things. Um, but I remember I was 19 years old. Everybody else there was, you know, junior, seniors. I was a sophomore, actually. So I got, got the internship early. And um, the average intern would complete about two projects during their summer there. Um, I finished that summer with seven projects under my belt. Whoa. And, you know, it was just, man, I was like, I don't sit with my hands still very long. You know, I, I got to be working on something. I got to be learning. I got to be executing. And I got to the end of that and I was like, man, we all made the same amount of money. Why is that? I remember going back to college. I went to Indiana University, uh, go Hoosiers, if anybody out there is a, a Hoosier. 
and I was talking to my friends and I was like, yeah, I just, I don't understand why my outputs wouldn't equate to my income at certain levels. And they mm-hmm. were like, man, that's just like not how it works. And I was like, man, maybe that's not how it works for you, you know? <laughs> but I don't buy into that. Right. And so that's, that's a trash limiting belief. Um, so fast forward, I carried that mindset with me. I got to the working world and six weeks in, I was like, this sucks, man. Um, you know, I was making good money. I was, yeah. I was 22 years old. I had a $68,000 salary when I started. That's great money for something. And I had no debt. Mm-hmm. I was living at home for a year. Right. So mm-hmm. like I, I had no bills. I had no debt. My car was paid off. I had nothing to complain about, but there's just that itch, man. There's that itch, right? And so I stumbled into land investing through a random YouTube video. This guy just like talked about it. I listened to 12 of his podcast episodes that day, bought his course that night, and within a week had sent out my first direct mail campaign. Whoa. Um, bought a super small deal. It was a half acre in rural Wisconsin that I bought for $3,000. Um, I put it up on the MLS, sold it for 15 grand, 15, 15. Yeah. So I made a quick nine piece after, uh, realtor fees, title fees, that type of stuff. And, um, I was like, Oh man, this is sweet. Now the caveat here is I got lucky on that. And what I mean by that is I sent out 75 postcards. That's really low. Yeah. Super lucky, man. It's tax delinquent list. It was vacant land. So you get slightly better conversions, but not that much better, man. You're not getting a like 90 X row as on every mail piece you send out. Um, and so it crippled me for my first couple of months because I thought that's the type of marketing I needed to put out to get a deal Uh, like that. I'm like, great, man, you know, spend 50 bucks on marketing, make nine grand. I'm going to be a millionaire and you know, four months is great. Uh, not how it played out, man. So I, I had a slow start to my first year. I think I ended the year about 70, 80 grand and then really started picking it up from there. Um, fast forward now, I, uh, partnered up with Ben Pijanowski and other land Mm -hmm. investors. We, We were kind of doing our own thing for a while. Joined forces about a year, year and some change into the biz, um, and we've got five people working for us now. So three in the Philippines, two in the U.S., and I also have an executive assistant, and it's it's been a lot, a lot of fun building mm. up the business. Are you an engineer by trade? No, man. I'm actually um, – I was an IT consultant. Oh. So I um, – I studied corporate innovation and entrepreneurship. Not a surprise to a lot of people that know me, but my uh, my counselors in college were like, "Hey, Ajay, entrepreneurship's not marketable to get a job, man. People don't want to know that you just want to go yeah. start your own business." <laughs> and so I tacked on a technology management co major, which is basically mm. like information systems. Mm. So I know a little bit in code. I know some IT project management frameworks. You know, it's use it or lose it. So I don't remember most of that stuff now, but I can speak the language when I'm talking to people and like uh, uh, like security operations, business development operations, that type of stuff. Um, but it's it's more like IT project management, like a bridge between business and IT. Yes, so are you generally an organized and like well thought out person? Because I, I just think about how the engineers operate in their brain versus like all oh, the, biz- the business people, the people in the business schools. Yeah, like, totally, all over the place. man. Um, man, I wish I could tell you I was an organized person. Um, my brain is probably the most chaotic place on planet earth. And okay. so, uh, I'm, I'm gifted with the ability to communicate the thoughts in my brain pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I sound like my brain's put together, man, mm-hmm. but I'm having like six other conversations in there while you and I are talking. <laughs> okay. schizophrenic. Yeah. <laughs> He's telling me not to tell you this right now. No, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but that being said, man, no, it's, it's really chaotic. And you know, like anybody, I've got to go, 
I've got to put good systems in place to make mm. sure that I drive to results, right? So yeah. I have, um, you know, I've, I've got, uh, I use Evernote a lot. Me and my executive assistant communicate through Evernote with like action items, to-dos, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, I have an executive assistant, so she's driving all the small stuff forward. She's in my email inbox. She's, you know, I'm actually going to tell a funny story here. Um, her name's Kaylee, and she's phenomenal. I've been working with her since August now. And she gets all my emails, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, part of CG, you get to do a mm -hmm. presentation, right? And Mr. Matt Perry sends out these mm -hmm. emails reminding everybody who's up um, basically that, uh, hey, make sure you turn in your presentations by Friday. Mm -hmm. um, so Kaylee, my executive assistant, and I, we have a daily meeting we hop onto. She's a former teacher. She's also a mom of three, okay? Um, amazing, incredible, brilliant woman. We jump on. She says, uh, Ajay, before we get off this call, I got to... Like, have you been working on your presentation? Because I know it's due Friday. And I was like, you work for me? What's going on here, you know? Um, it's, it's obviously a joke a little bit because I invite everybody that I work with to keep me accountable. Uh -huh. But it's funny. She's in my emails and pushing me forward. And you know what's funny is I started working on my presentation within 24 hours of that. Like, I woke up the next morning and my brain was just wired to hearing her in that teacher voice, man. So it's, it's a joke. It's funny. Uh, but it works. And so you need to surround yourself with people um, who are what I say operational drivers if you're naturally somebody who's not organized mm. like you need to be able to communicate outcomes and big pictures and for them to just come to you when they need help removing roadblocks Josh I think we need to get a teacher in our business bro. a teacher yeah <laughs> you see Brian Snyder is like that guy's an animal absolute beast man and he's he's so organized and just he's he's this good bridge too right because yeah. on top of um, having just crazy experience he he just Man, he's got this calming presence. He does. Like when I'm around Brian, I just feel peaceful. You guys feel that? Oh, 100%. You know? And he's like, oh, man, that's so great you're doing that thing. Here's another tip for you. And it's always just some absolute fire tip, man. Dang. So, Brian, if you see this, shout out to you, man, because you're, you're awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love Brian. But, yeah, I'm just like that's one of the areas in, in our business that we struggle so much in because it's just like, okay, you're working on marketing. You're working on acquisition. I'll be on dispo. Like I have a vision and then we have a person in finance, but then it's like, who's fixing the operational issues. So right. how did you guys, you know, come to build your guys' current company organization? Like, why did you guys need to build what you built? Totally. Um, you know, I wish I could tell you it was a hundred percent proactive. Uh, obviously it's hard to build a proactive business when you don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm. So if anybody out there is like just getting started or newer into it, like, man, do not get caught up in building the perfect business, get some deals under your belt, figure out what you do like and what you don't like, okay? What I do know is that Ben and I have really tried to engineer the business in a way that the activities that we now work on are both things that we're good at and give us energy, mm -hmm. right? And again, like we're in, like we, we just got over year three, we're now in year four, so we didn't start out that way. Yeah, We started out, we were working on everything, right? And you do a lot of stuff that drains you, unfortunately, Thankfully, going through that allows you to delegate it better as you continue hiring or working with you know third-party vendors mm -hmm. to do certain things. Um, that being said, man, it was super natural for Ben and I in our partnership because he's like a classic. Him and I are both very extreme in a lot of respects, um, but particularly to the visionary integrator dynamic laid out by Traction, Gino Wickman. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very, very visionary. You know, I have ideas I see 10, 15, 20 years out into the future. Um, ben is hyper day-to-day, -day, 
removing roadblocks and just uh, he loves managing and coaching our team. And so, um, you know, specifically when it came to engineering the business, we've had a lot of moments where we've said, okay, this is draining me. Mm -hmm. We need to figure out what this next step looks like. And I'll give you an example. We had um, we had somebody who was overseas in Latin America. She was a really nice gal, but she was working on our, our transaction coordination, um, and she just was not driving anything forward. And so mm -hmm. we had been sitting in that role um, because I was kind of at capacity. You know, it's probably more aligned to my skill set as somebody who's better communicator naturally. And we had one or two deals that you know almost fell apart. Not to mention Ben's telling me it's draining him. Right? I don't think we knew that right away. What I did know is I was like, hey, man, I think it's time we add a second marketing channel. We just had SMS turned off. We were using direct mail, but I said, Ben, we have some risk here because direct mail, we're at the mercy of the post office. I can't really turn on and off leads. We need a mechanism to turn on and off leads. We need to figure out whether that's inbound or outbound, but it's a different conversation. He was like, I don't think, I don't think we should do that right now. So it's like, okay, let, let's have a discussion because we're at different places. Let's figure this out. What we figured out was he was being so freaking drained from transaction coordination that his subconscious was telling him, do not do anything that will bring more deals into the mm. pipeline. Mm. And if you're a real estate investor, you make money from doing deals, right? Yeah. But when you hit a certain pain threshold, you actually stop yourself from growth. And so you need to be constantly reevaluating where am I sabotaging myself? And so Ben and I very frequently are like, dude, like I just hate this thing. It's like, okay, what do we need to bring in, right? Um, and, and typically when we look at scale, we say that like, if you're scaling, your cash needs to be allocated into one of these three buckets. If you, if you're hitting a ceiling or don't know what to do next. Okay. It's either number one talent, right? Can I bring somebody in who's a freaking, you know, godlike monster at this thing, or could be up leveled, you know, depending on what pay bands you have, what expertise you have. Mm. Um, Number two is coaching, right? Bring in the mentors that can help accelerate you. Obviously, that's more of a done with you approach, whereas I view hiring as kind of a done for you if you bring in somebody that's already got the skill set and the competency, mm -hmm. right? And then number three is marketing. It's really simple, mm -hmm. but like you drop a bunch of money in marketing, leads will come in. It's a different conversation as to whether your acquisition systems and your marketing systems are dialed. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, if they are, if you spend more on marketing, you'll get more leads. And if you work those leads, you do more deals, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's, hey, if we're hitting a ceiling, which of the three do we need to allocate cash to? And if we don't have cash, we need to have a different conversation we need to have, right? Are we managing it well? What's our conversion cycle look like? How's our marketing? How's our dispo process? Um, is the inventory we're bringing in still quality? Did something slip there, right? Um, but with your specific question, tying it way back, man, I think it was to the effect of like how we built the business. It's been a lot of just like checks and balances as we built. And now we're to the point where we say we like inbound marketing. The leads are extremely quality. We were 100% SMS for a long time. Those leads are pretty low quality, but they're so cheap. Yeah. We were getting like a 13x ROAS on our mm -hmm. SMS, which is just insane when i can put a dollar into a machine and get 13 dollars out yeah i'm gonna spend more money right and so we were really starting to ramp up we were kind of in the middle of this upswing when uh a2p sort of slapped us in the face and um we like control and i said man i don't like our marketing channels to be able to just get shut down and you know we've got bodies at our team morale gets kind of challenged a little bit with some people are like is my job safe What's going to happen to the business, you know? And so, you know, we've got to have a town hall to say, hey, we keep, you know, six, nine, 12 months in cash on runway. We're not making any immediate decisions. Here's some tasks we can be working on right now. 
Um, but the business is safe, right? Your jobs are safe for now. Obviously, yeah. nobody's jobs are safe forever. So I don't, I don't ever want to lie to the staff. But yeah. um, we, we love our team, and it's, it's, you know, it's really a benefit to the business when you find good talent. But all that being said, it's been a lot of checks uh, along the way of what's giving us energy, what's making us money, what do we need to get into, what ceilings are we hitting, how do we engineer the business to serve us, essentially. Mm -hmm. It was a really long answer there. Yeah. <laughs> that was good, bro. That was really good. Thank you. So going back to when you first got started, I feel like that's a lot of people will, they'll start binge watching the YouTube videos, right? Mm -hmm. And... Maybe they'll buy the course, but I feel like a lot of a lot of people, it's like they'll probably stop at the course. Yeah. And then when it comes to even taking action, that's even like like significant percentage drop off. So like what what do you think made you buy that course and take action within a week? Totally. Um I'm gonna tell a couple of different stories here to answer that. You know, the first is I knew, I always knew I was going to end up in entrepreneurship. I don't know if you guys were this way, but growing up, I just like always knew I was going to end up being a business owner. I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, but I remember as a kid, I think I was maybe six or seven years old. I remember telling my parents, I was like, mom, dad, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to be the owner of a garbage company. And they laughed at me, you know, um, we're Asian. My family's from Nepal and there's an element of like, prestige in the industry you work in and the job mm. that you do and they were like man why would you want to work in trash of all <laughs> yeah. things and i was like because everybody needs it i was six man so i'm pretty proud of that <laughs> <laughs> that being said though even at that age i, I think i always knew i was going to end up being an entrepreneur in some capacity okay and so um, I shared earlier, I got six weeks into working a W-2 and again, I don't like having my time or my um, income controlled and I saw this as an avenue, right? So that was number one. Um, but more particularly, number two is there's an element of pain that you need to hit in order to be driven. So like Tony Robbins says, there's two things that can drive you. You're either running towards pleasure or running away from pain. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, you folks that are in the house world, you sell in like your acquisition systems based on the pain that the seller has. I'll tell you in land, we don't really have a lot of pain points. There's not a lot of, you know, ongoing like money needs for a property. Um, property taxes are extremely cheap. So we have to sell based on pleasure. Um, that being said that for myself at the time, I, I had hit a pain threshold. I had a manager that basically had me work a weekend despite it. Like I'm all about extreme ownership, man. I did everything I could to make sure this deliverable was done on time and she just didn't review it in a timely manner. And so it's Friday at 4 PM when she said, Hey, I need you to work the weekend. Right. And so boom, pain threshold hit. Right. So I'm running from pain. I'm saying, I hate not having control. Hmm. Um, what I would tell anybody who's listening to this, who, you know, maybe quite doesn't like have that pain. You do. You just need to like find it and manufacture it. And so I'm going to give you a resource. Uh, Patrick Bet David uh, just came out with this book in the past couple of months. It's called Choose Your Enemies Wisely. It's all about this concept of essentially using pain as fuel because it's quite literally one of the strongest things you can do psychologically to drive yourself. You have to be careful with it. There's a delicate balance between letting something consume you. But, you know, I don't care who you are. At some point in your life, you've had somebody tell you you can't. You've had somebody you loved that you couldn't help in the way that you wanted to. Um, you've had a ministry you wanted to give to that you couldn't support. You've had um, competitors, you know, that, that tell you you're not going to be crap. You have people in high school that bullied you. It doesn't matter, you know, but there's that, that old expression that's like, hey, they'll, they'll laugh at you at first but work so hard that they end up, like, asking you if you're hiring eventually, right? And, I've, you know, I, I didn't have many haters growing up. I... I'm grateful to say, like, 
generally people liked me and I got along with people and I don't make enemies. And so I had to dig deep to find that pain, you know? Mm. And, and, um, like for me, I'll, I'll get a little vulnerable here. A big one is, uh, my, my father walked out on our family when I was nine years old. And so I had a single mother raise me and man, she's, she's an amazing woman. Um, and so I'm grateful that this past year I've been able to, to begin supporting her financially. You know, it's not mm. like I've retired her yet. I don't want to overstate what I'm doing. But um, I'm able to give her extra cash and stuff, and and the fact that um, man for me like my my like pain motivator that I use when I need like a little kick in my butt is are you really gonna let your mom worry about money, right? Because she didn't let you worry about money growing up, despite being a single mother with two kids in a town she never knew with a bunch of debt uh, that my dad left her and like just this terrible situation, and she made wonderful wonderful environment out of it. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, for me, I'd hit a pain threshold and mm. I would tell people, if you don't have that and you're trying to take some action, go find your pain if, mm. if you don't naturally have it. Like if, it, you know, um, if you're in a terrible environment, like Steve Harvey has this good quote, like if you're, if you're going through hell, keep going, why would you stop in hell? You know? <laughs> right? And so it's like, man, come on. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it all makes sense now. Now that you're talking about the whole pain motivator thing, because back in middle school, honestly, mm. I didn't feel like very confident in myself. I had gotten, I had tried to develop a lot of different talents like playing guitar, ukulele, or break dancing just so people would like me or think I'm cool or so mm. I can get a girlfriend. I didn't get my first girlfriend until I was like 18 years old, dude. But it was also, um, there's one time I was playing the student faculty basketball game and like, I'm a short Asian kid that's like <laughs> trying to play basketball. I got cut from the team, by the way. But <laughs> I was playing in this game because it's like anybody could play in the student faculty basketball game. I finally get um, subbed in and I rebound the ball. And I'm on this fast break to my side of the court. I'm shooting on my own hoop. Oh. And I shoot two layups miss on my own hoop. I was like why is no one chasing after me and it's like <laughs> dude the whole school oh. is right here looking oh. at me oh doing this thing goodness. it's the most embarrassing moment in my life bro. Yeah. and then the third time I shoot it finally goes in I was like oh my gosh I finally scored a basket on myself oh, oh no that's crazy that's my pain motivator is that your <laughs> your pain motivator still to this day I mean I got married at 22 you know it's like running my own business. It's like a lot of things has kind of turned for me for yeah. the best. And I feel like, you know, some of these mo pain motivators of being like a small guy or like the guy who didn't have a girlfriend, the guy who didn't have game. It's just like I had all this like pain in my identity. Mm. And I just wanted to shoot to the opposite extreme. Mm. And yeah. that's what led me to be where I am. And I'm just like, I think a lot of people have some type of insecurity within themselves yeah. that causes them to overcorrect right yeah absolutely absolutely which is where that balance does become important you know but again it, like it, it could be a really healthy driver like uh, uh i know a lot of people that like were the fat kid and then got extremely jacked later yeah. on yeah. you know Dude. it's like okay yeah they went on you know the opposite end but like they're great now you know and mm -hmm. not that like you need to be extremely jacked to be great but there's an element of like discipline you need to carry right and the cool thing about like fitness specifically, I say this, I'm kind of on the midst of, uh, I, I'd shared with our group yesterday, like, uh, 2023 was just such a busy year for me. I let my health habits slip. 
Mm-hmm. Right? I have no one to blame but myself. I'd put on a little bit extra fat. Um, and I'm taking it off now and I'm putting on some muscle and I'm feeling a little bit better about myself and I'm in that transition. But what I know is that people notice when you're in the gym, like that's something a, a dude that's just yoked walks into the room. Mm. People look and they notice. Yeah. And and you don't say it to yourself, but subconsciously, you know, this guy's disciplined, you know, he doesn't make excuses, you mm. know, he's in the gym. Like there's an element of respect you inherently get for that. Mm. Right. Um, I heard, who was this? I mean, whatever you think about these, you know, YouTube personalities that are out there, I think it's Justin Waller, Jay Waller. Mm -hmm. Um, If you guys know any of his stuff, he talks about how when you are jacked, that's the only thing you carry in a room with you. You go to the grocery store, (laughs) people see it, right? You got $10 million in the bank. Nobody knows until yeah. you tell them. And like, man, I don't want to walk around and be like, I got yeah, man, what's that? like I got, you know, like I'm not a flashy person. I drive a Honda CRV. Like it is paid off. But, uh, you know, I drive a Honda CRV. It's a mom car. Like I'm not a, not a flashy type personality. And so there's that element of, of, uh, yeah, you might overcompensate, but it could end up being something that's really beneficial. <laughs> I think that's, that's how most people start. It's like you start on that fitness like especially fitness journey i feel like there's yeah. a lot of people you start on that fitness journey and then like you start to be more like positive about your body and you wonder you feel so good it's like what is next yeah and then, then yeah sorry. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> that's something patrick but david talks about in the book too is how you actually need to find new enemies throughout your life mm-hmm. so like for me i already recognize again i'm a visionary so i like try to see the problems in the future um man once i'm starting to take home you know 30, 40, 50 G's a month pretty consistently. Like I've had months like that, but it's not like, you know, real estate's so up and down, right? Mm-hmm. Like it can be very feast and famine sometimes. Um, but the money's going to come, right? You just stay in the game long enough. You do the right things. You focus on the fundamentals. The money comes. And I'm like, man, I'm taking 50 G's home a month. Like I'm not going to be worried about my mom's financial security anymore. So I'm going to need a different enemy, mm-hmm. right? I don't know what that looks like yet, but Ajay in six months, 12 months, is going to need to go through this process again to say, okay, what's the new enemy, right? And so, like, it's really interesting because entrepreneurship is so beautiful because if you want to break through ceilings, you have to completely reinvent who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, you cannot be doing the same things three years ago to today if you want a drastically different income, if you want a drastically different... You know, and I I say income um, not because it's like, ooh, money, this, that, and the other, but like money's the success metric in a business. Mm -hmm. Something that my buddy JT and I talk about is how net profit's the great equalizer. doesn't matter what industry you're in. I don't care about top line. You tell me net profit and, you know, it's like it's, it's Mm. it's the great equalizer of business. If you're in, you know, big business, it'd be EBITDA, right? Earning Mm. before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. I might have botched the order of that. But the point being, um, like money is a success metric of business, right? And so if I want to be a better business person because this is a discipline that I enjoy pursuing, right? Um, then I need to reinvent myself. It's, it's to the same sense. You know, I think it's so interesting because you get this question a lot from, from people on the outside where they're like, dude, you're making money. Like when's enough going to be enough? And I'm like, you get, you don't get it. We were like, just talking about that yesterday. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's not about like, I'm not trying to buy a Lambo you know, I might one day more so for like the branding that you can get from it or like the car clubs you get to go to. It's always about the network for me than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, that's what I tell myself at least now, I'm trying to <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, uh, one of those things where, um, I lost my train of thought. Shoot. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, you buy the Lambo, get into the network. Um, you know, you're not working for money necessarily 
for other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and like in the vein of like reinventing yourself is kind of where I was at. You know, it's like for for me to be making a million dollars, man. Like I know a lot of sloppy entrepreneurs that make a million dollars. I don't yeah, know a lot of sloppy pretty. entrepreneurs that make a hundred million dollars. They're usually pretty put together. You gave a fantastic presentation yesterday about how in order to like create the result, you need to become a different person, right? And there's an identity shift in that. So, um, and, and that's a universal thing, man. If you read um, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, I think is his mm-hmm. name. Uh, he talks about how IBM Watson said the same thing essentially long before IBM became the company that it became, they had to behave mm-hmm. like the company they were trying to become, right? And so like, hey, if you're trying to become somebody who's worth $10 million, you need to become that person before you get that result, right? Like yeah. Money's a lagging indicator for your behaviors and your choices long before. Um, the last thing I'll say, and this is the point I was trying to make that I lost my train of thought on, is business is one of the only disciplines where people actually ask you when is enough enough because they just view it as it's about the money. But um, man, there's an element of it's about self-improvement. Like I, I have to choose the life I want to engineer for my life, um, engineer for my staff, engineer for my culture, and like what the outcomes and outputs of that look like. What do the dollars look like for my people? Like I can pay people more if we make more money. I can bring cooler people along for the journey. I can give more to the church, mm-hmm. right? And so business is one of the only areas where people really ask, when is enough enough? Like you wouldn't ask uh, uh, Joshua Bell, one of the best yeah. violinists, dude, when are you going to be good enough? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. no, like, or Kobe or yeah, LeBron. Exactly. Right. And, and so it's, it's a different, um, it, it's interesting that you don't get that question in all these other disciplines that people choose to become great in. But if, if I just choose the game of business to become great, why do you ask me when is enough enough? Dude, I just yeah. love the game. Hmm. Nobody's asking Tom Brady, when is enough enough? And yeah. just, I'm going to keep on playing until yeah. I'm done playing. Exactly. Exactly. And he's phenomenal. Why do you guys think that is? You know, I think not a lot of people understand business um that because most people's relationship with work is i show up to get a paycheck Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. unfortunate but that's how they view work it's 99 percent of people yeah which is too bad right um and so i think because that's their relationship with work they assume you have the same relationship with work Mm. so they're like dude you're just paying this doing this for a paycheck but your paychecks are sick so why don't you go do the things you enjoy and it's like well i I enjoy this. This is what I enjoy. Yeah. Right. And so this is what I choose to get better in. Like you like surfing or, you know, uh, fishing and you want to get better in that. Dude, I just like business. And I know I, I like fishing, right? And I mm-hmm. grew up in Indiana, so we did that quite a bit. Uh, but the point being, like, I think people view, yeah, their relationship with work as just a means to make money. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, like we just have a different relationship with this thing. It's the same thing of like, um, uh, so, so you seem happily married, Jesse, I'm going to assume that. Uh, and, uh, you know, unfortunately there is like this stereotype in a group of like men out there that are like, oh man, my old lady, my wife, and they're like complaining about it. Whereas like, <laughs> man, you were telling us like, oh yeah, like we're, we're doing things to be more successful in our marriage. And like, you're going to plan out a date night and like do things and like work towards that intentionally. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people have different relationships with different things and just assume that you have the same relationship with that thing and communicate it that mm-hmm. way, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, no, nah, man, like, I chose this. I yeah. love my wife. This is something I want to pursue. This is something I want to be great in, mm-hmm. right? Like, I want to be great in business. I want to be a great family man. Eventually, I want to be a great father, right? Like, yeah. dude, I'm pursuing this and I'm passionate about it. Don't gripe about 
your relationship with your wife just because you chose not to be intentional about either who you picked or how you maintain that relationship. But I mean, if, if you're a person of faith, how it stands is you made a vow and a covenant with God on this, mm-hmm. right? And even if you're having issues, you need to believe that God can fix that. And you need to have faith that he can, right? And so, man, I'm, I'm engaged right now. We get married in June. Um, Congrats, bro. Thank you. And we're super pumped. And one of the rules we set for ourselves is we never use the D word. Yeah. You know, uh, people talk about divorce so much in the U.S. And I'm like, it's not even an option, mm. right? I don't care what happens. It's full sign. Yeah, right? Like, that's the point. That's what marriage is. It was mm-hmm. given to us by God. It's a sacrament, right? But people just aren't about commitment and changing things and being intentional anymore. And so... To answer your question, Josh, I just think people have different relationships with things and they communicate from their point of view rather than trying to see what yours is. Mm. Man. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about your faith? And uh, I know you said you grew up in a Hindu family and then you found Jesus later on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So I, I like, yeah, like you said, I grew up in a, a family that was predominantly Hindu, um, went to temple quite a bit as a kid. And, um, you know, when when my dad did leave, and we moved from Chicago to Indiana. There was less Hindu environment, um, and then less free time for my mom to like pursue that. And and so like what I mean is, you know, Alex Ormosi will say if you want to change something, change your environment first, right? If you're around a bunch of freaking cold blooded, you know, sales killers, you probably become one. If you're around a bunch of really good entrepreneurs, you become one. Around good family people, you become one. Around good people of faith, you become one, right? Um, and so uh, I think there was this byproduct when we moved to Indiana that because we were around less of it, we just like as a family pursued it less, mm-hmm. um, which I view as a benefit because then I was able to basically have this hole in terms of like faith in my life, mm-hmm. right? Now, um, moving moving forward is until high school, I got invited to come to this um, high school ministry called Campus Life. They're Youth for Christ, if you guys are familiar with them. Great, great organization. And, uh, for me, it was like, I started building relationships. I, man, again, I'm, I'm so, so grateful for God because, um, again, I grew up without a father, like from ages nine through, you know, I'm 25 today going on 26. I did not have a father in my life. Um, and so like, it becomes so important to have what strong male leadership looks like to model, to become something. Uh, and I, you know, I'll share this transparently and vulnerably, my father was not a good person. Um, you know, he had a lot of vices and a lot of addictions and did not treat people with respect and honor. Um, so I've come to find out as I hear stories about him as I've gotten older. And so because of that, I'm grateful that he wasn't around in the sense that uh, I would have picked up a lot of those habits because, again, environment creates certain byproducts. And so, um, you know, the first thing is when I got to high school, I was always uh, – uh, you know, becoming a young man that was pursuing strong male leadership. That's something I looked for. I didn't know it, mm-hmm. but strong men are something that I gravitated towards because it was a hole in my life. And the church filled that hole for me because there were so many strong men that spoke into my life on how you should treat people and love people. And so um, I got really blessed at like 15, 16, just beginning to get some of these male mentors in my life who begin to pour into me. Uh, my catalyst moment was I went on a trip with Youth for Christ. We went out to Vero Beach, Florida. They've got like a cool kind of camp out there. And one night, basically, um, our youth pastor, David Chunk, shared the gospel with us. And man, it hit me like a freight train. Like I remember just being out at the beach. We were in silence and I'm looking up at the stars and you just realize how small you are, Right. Um, but every wave that crashed, I could hear God saying, I know you and I love you for you. 
and it was just so present, like just undeniably present. I'm not sure if you guys have had moments like that where you're just like overcome with God's presence. And so um, from then on, I, I dedicated my life to God and it's just been an awesome journey, man. It's been an awesome journey because he continues to bless me with good people in my life and certain gifts. And that's not to say everything's been easy. Yeah. Like something that uh, I was at, um, we've got a men's group in Frisco, Texas. A gentleman named Garrett Unklebach leads it. He's a, he was former Navy SEAL Team 3. Um, really great guy. Leads a group of about 300 men every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. And he was talking about this a couple weeks back at how, you know, we go out to the battle of life as men. Um, and sometimes we are ungrateful for these hardships in our life. Mm -hmm. But what God is actually doing is creating armor for us to fight the good fight later on. Okay. And so I grew up without a dad and because of that found strong male leaders in my life and became who I believe is now a good man. I like to, you know, obviously I, I'm not the one to decide that, but I'm proud of who I am today. Right. And so God gave me that armor to become a good, strong man, to mentor other people, to have money to go give to organizations I care about. Um, and, you know, God placed a, a fire in my heart for the orphaned and the widowed. And, and James, as leaders, were called to care for the orphaned and the widowed because they don't have strong men in their lives. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a strong man in my life to lead me growing up. Um, I had an older brother, and he's phenomenal, and I love him. But, you know, there's a difference in a sibling relationship. Mm -hmm. He definitely, like, modeled things for me and protected me in a lot of ways. And he's a fantastic older brother, best man in my wedding, Love the dude to death, would die for him, you know? Um, it's just different in a parental figure, though. And so, yeah, man, my relationship with Jesus has been absolutely phenomenal because he's blessed me with strong leaders in my life. He's blessed me with certain gifts that I get to use to expand the kingdom. And, and you know, um, Jesse, we were talking about this yesterday. You know, you asked me sort of like what, you know, what's the fire under your belly more or less. And, and I was telling you, like, I just think if you are given gifts by God to conquer the world, right? If you are given gifts mm -hmm. and skills and a yearning to build great businesses, it is selfish for you to not do it. Because if I don't make money, I can't give it away, mm -hmm. right? And so that's my job is I am called to make as much money, you know, within reason because I can give more away when I do. Like, yeah. do you think I could do more for the world volunteering eight hours a day or making a billion dollars and giving that to people? Now, I'm not saying, you know, hey, I'm going to go make a billion dollars next year. But life is long. Mm -hmm. God willing, if I live for the next 80 years and pursue business along the way and my brain stays sharp, I'm not going to place limiting beliefs on myself, mm -hmm. right? Um, this game of business is so compounding and we're, you know, lucky to be three men sitting here in our twenties that are getting into it and able to create decent incomes for ourselves relative to the rest of the U S but the skills compound, like you never lose the skills. You can lose the business. You can lose the people, you can lose the money, but the skills never go away mm -hmm. and we're going to continue to learn and we're going to continue to grow and you're going to meet new people and cross through new ceilings. And so, um, yeah, man, I mean, to, to answer your question, like, I just think God put me here to, uh, my, my pastor said this to me a few months ago, we were, we were catching up and he's like, Ajay, like you're the type of guy to put a dent in hell. That's what we're here to do. Man. Business is just a means to put a dent in hell. I love that, bro. I was just quoting that yesterday when Memo was seeing the same spot. You I love it. Yeah. But I just love how it looks like we are real estate people, but honestly, we are just like servants of God at the end of the day, put on this earth to serve others, lead others, and honestly be a reflection of Christ. And there's just so many different things that we are beyond our business, beyond the money that we make. And the money is good, 
so long as we don't make a God out of it or an mm. idol out of it. 100%. And I think that's the biggest thing is having a community that keeps you in check, in balance, mm. you know, challenging you, um, checking in on you regularly, making sure that, you know, your sin is not overcoming you. Yeah. And then you're falling into the love of money that can overtake the original intention, which was to serve God. Right. And as long as our relationship with God continues to grow and it stays at the forefront of our life and everything else comes uh, subsequent, like money and business and finances can still prosper absolutely very, very far, but it can't prosper farther than God. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And this is something too that like people don't realize. It's like, so, so business is driven by people. Mm-hmm. We're in business but we're in the people business. I don't care what you mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Transactions don't happen without people. Yeah. Simple as that. Besides maybe some Chinese bots. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know. Holistically speaking, though, we're driven by people. And who do you think understands people better than anybody else? Probably the one that created mankind in the mm-hmm. universe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was just having a good conversation about Ben with this, man. It's like people try to put God in this box so often. Mm. It's like, what are you doing, right? You like even So let's talk about like the, the Ten Commandments, for example. Um, it's like, okay, oh, he's just this guy that like creates rules, right? Give some guy on, you know, put him up on a stone slab, tell everybody this is what you need to do, right? Okay, well, let's, let's, let's peel layer back, right? Thou shall not steal. Would you agree with me that if we didn't steal, our life would be better? Our communities would be better? Yeah. 100%. Right? If we didn't commit adultery, do you think you'd live a better life? Do you think the people who are affected by that and have the byproduct of that, Right would live a better life. I mean, divorce and cheating, like that just is a multiplier of bad consequences Mm -hmm. for um, a a stupid action, right? And so, you know, when I think about these like rules that God gives us, so often it's like, dude, these are meant to serve you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you just don't understand that yet, right? Like you think about our relationship when you um, see children and you're trying to teach them basic things, right? Don't stick your fingers into electrical sockets, they don't understand the consequences, mm-hmm. right? We as humans don't sometimes just don't understand the consequences. Mm-hmm. And God is trying to protect us from those because he loves us. Mm-hmm. And he knows how the world works because he freaking created us, mm-hmm. right? And so to your point about how your business can't outgrow God, of course it can't, right? Like we're driven by people and people were created by God. Mm-hmm. So like let him lead, you know? Yeah. yeah. You could find a major imbalance in your life and you feel everything is out of whack, once you stop reading the Bible, mm. once you stop talking to God, once you start stop associating with people inside that community, you just start feeling super off and unfulfilled, and you're just like you you forget like how did I even get to this point? Right, and that's why I think it's such a good reminder. It's like discipline is what creates that freedom, mm. and it's it's not so much like we can create that freedom. On our, on our own and what you were talking about with the Ten Commandments, those constraints, I kind of draw this analogy. I've read it inside a book somewhere where it's just like, imagine you're at like a school playground and it's like, it's a square. It's a square. <laughs> it's cars running rampant around the square and then you have a playground in the middle of <laughs> playground. This, you know, say it's like five acres or like three acres, whatever. You have a playground in the middle and it's a school. Like school kids are only going to play at the playground and say there's like no fence. They're not going to go out into the fields or whatever because all they see is a playground. But say the school now invested money into building fences 
around the perimeter, and now the kids are playing soccer. The kids are more free, mm. and they're not just limited to the playground. Mm. And I see that's our life and how God has designed our life and what we can do because we have God and we, because we have these constraints. They're not limiting constraints, but if right. anything, they're freeing constraints. 100%. 100%. It's the same like principle for those that, you know, maybe aren't reading the Bible right now. Go read James Clear, right? He's got a book called Atomic Habits mm-hmm. um, where it's the same principle, right? Uh, how people think that discipline, uh, again, actually like is a hindrance on your life. But on the flip side, like when you have systems for things, it gives you freedom to think because you don't have to make those micro decisions so mm-hmm. often, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right? So like here's here's a quick example um, when you shower in the morning, you know how people say like shower thoughts are just like incredible because you're not distracted. Mm-hmm. Well, you're also not thinking about it because you got a showering system, right? You put your head under the water and maybe you shampoo first, maybe you body soap first. Um, you know, maybe you shave your legs in the shower. I don't know, but people have an order to these things mm-hmm. and they don't think about it. And because of that, your brain is free to wander, right? So it's the same thing that like with the, the um, what you were saying about constraints is like, yeah, you actually end up becoming more free because of it. Mm. yeah because you don't think about them yeah so what are some things you're working on getting knowing that you're about to be married like have you guys figured out a plan with where you're living and like what are some marital counseling what are you guys doing yeah so um my my fiance is catholic and we're having a catholic Mm -hmm. wedding uh so we went through pre-cana which is like their Mm -hmm. like um you know it's like a, a one day quick sesh on premarital counseling basically. Mm. Uh, but it, it was really good for us at, you know, good questions talked about, um, good, good things addressed. I've been very forward about intentional conversations with her. Um, <clears throat> like I'll share with you guys, I don't know how I didn't scare her off. <laughs> um, but we were three or four weeks into dating and, and here's a little history is I dated a girl pretty much all throughout college. Great girl, nothing bad to say about her. We just wanted very different lives. Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted, you know, stable career, white picket fence, two dogs, two kids type life. I wanted, we'll call it Grant Cardone type life. Well, okay. With some exceptions there, maybe, (laughs) you know, but, but just like in terms of like what he lives on social media, like, you Mm -hmm. know, that's, that's what I'm going for. Like multiple houses, big businesses, brand awareness, private jet. Like that's the direction we're headed. We're going to be much more closely aligned to that than we are, you know, two kids, two dogs, white picket fence. Mm -hmm. Um, and so split up for, for, differences of just like wanting different things out of life super normal right really good reason to break up versus get married and then resent each other Mm. and so um fast forward i'm I'm dating my now fiance aaron we're about three four weeks in and and i said to her i mean i basically just wrote up all my non-negotiables you know Mm -hmm. i was like hey i want you to understand um god's called me to live an extraordinary life and that, that was the first thing is if you don't have a faith in jesus like this ain't gonna fly Right, because that's non-negotiable number one, and I can't be your God. Mm-hmm. It's like not what this is about, right? Um, number two, you like can't expect me to be home for dinner every night. If you want a husband that's going to be home every single night at six p.m. for dinner, you're with the wrong guy. I'm going to have meetings. I'm going to travel for work. Uh, it's just part of it. I'm not saying I will not intentionally make time for you. I will, right? But I intentionally make time for other things as well. Um, sometimes that means we meet in the middle and maybe I have a networking dinner and like, obviously you bring your wife to stuff. Right. And so there's like, there's ways to do this, but I I just, I didn't want any surprises. You know, I want a big life. I'm going to be working a lot. Income will not be consistent. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there'll be times where you like, I've made six figures in a month and I've gone three months without any money. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's just kind of how the game goes sometimes, unfortunately. Um, and so it was great because I, you know, laid all these things out early 
And because of it, there's not been, you know, a lot of surprises. Uh, and those and we, first three weeks? That was the third week, man. I sat her down and we went through this stuff because I was like, this is where I'm at. Ooh. You don't need to give me an answer right now, but I need you to think on this because if if we're not aligned, this just won't work. Yeah. Like this is who I am to my core. And, you know, as like the future mother of my children, my future wife, you can ask me to do a lot of things and I want to serve you to the best of my ability, but do not ask me to give up on my dreams. Oh, textbook sales. Yeah. <laughs> I heard him, Josh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like the one thing where it's like, hey, I, I, I want to be able to love you um, and I don't want to resent you, right? And so just to make sure we avoid that, this is where I'm at. And that doesn't mean there won't be different conversations and different balance. Mm. I guarantee when we start having kids, we're going to need to have new conversations about what intentionality looks like, mm-hmm. what those time blocks look like, right? But the, the point was not that, you know, like some people think you have these conversations once and then you're like done. Like it's just like, hey, I said this. It's like, cool, that doesn't mean your wife's feelings aren't valid. You need to address those and work through those, right? Like it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, as we're getting into it, we're, we're discovering some new things about each other always, right? Uh, and, and so many people view marriage as like the end, I feel like. And I'm like, oh man, this is just the beginning. How cool is this? We get to go through life together and learn about ourselves together and learn about each other together. Like, mm. I don't know who I am as a husband yet, mm-hmm. but I get to learn that with her. Dude, I didn't even know who I was going <laughs> into the marriage. I'm learning so much about myself. Yeah, that's great though. It, yeah. it, you know, here's another thing is as we get closer and closer to it, it's so interesting. And I've heard this from all my friends that are about a half uh, stage of life ahead of me. Like their kids are like under five type, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they've been married, you know, maybe 10 years and had a couple of kids and that type of thing. Um, they tell you like, man, you get married and you just realize. So like phase one is you get married and you realize how selfish you are as a person. Mm. Like you instantly have to hold up a mirror and you just realize how much you care about yourself and like, dude, it's your, it's your job to protect and provide and, and, um, love your wife, uh, the same way Jesus loves the church. It's what God calls us to do. Right. And so like, how can I do that and serve her to the best of my ability? Right. And like, man, this is something I say, cause, uh, my fiance, Aaron, she's, she's, man, she's great. Um, but she, she, <laughs> she has this proclivity, uh, sometimes to like leave some trash around, you know, she does, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like on, um, we do a lot of sparkling water and, mm-hmm. uh, the pop tabs on cans, mm-hmm. she always rips off. And so it's really funny cause I find these things all over her apartment or my house and I chuckle when I see them, man. Um, and the the thing I like say to myself in my brain when I'm throwing them away is it's an honor to serve her. You know, mm. it's it's silly because some people get so caught up in the stupidest thing. You know, it's like again, if you have traditions and non-negotiables, so shoes taking off shoes in the house. That was one for me that really bothered her. She's American, oh. and so you know she grew up wearing the shoes in the house and we'd have a sit down where i was like <laughs> my skin crawls when you walk around carpet with shoes on you know obviously i didn't mm-hmm. come at her that aggressively <laughs> <laughs> like, when she hears this podcast yeah. she'd be like really? man she doesn't listen to my interviews <laughs> she's like i get to talk to the real thing why do i need to listen to the interview? unless one of them's like really good then i'm like okay you should check this out you know but uh that being said um, we're like learning these things about each other. You know, you figure out like, hey, this really bothers me. This is something we need to kind of figure out and work through. Um, and it's just been good intentional conversations because, man, like a lot of times where I'm like, hmm, why are we unaligned here? I need you just to do some like discovery in myself. And like I be in a butthole. <laughs> you know, it's mm. like a quick one. It's like, does this matter? Is this something mm. worth like not fighting about but like really like working through? Is this really something I stand behind? Mm. Sometimes we, especially as men, get so caught up in the ego, get so caught up in yeah. winning, or even yeah. more particularly, not losing. Not, yep. Right? 
I like, and that's a good salesman right there. You hate not losing more than you like winning, right? Um, that we fight for the stupidest things, stupidest things, man. Why do you care if you're on top of or under a top sheet? Like, why do you care if uh, the fan's on or off, you know? It's like, okay, how do we find the medium here? Is it the noise? Is it the temperature? What do we need to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh, we get so caught up in the wrong things and you end up fighting about the stupidest stuff. And like, life is so short, man. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like I am flying through life. Like, I know know it's long, but days go by fast, man, because I love what I do. And time flies when you're having fun, right? And so I'm not going to waste time fighting about stuff that doesn't matter. You know, yeah. Um, but it's a lot of intentional conversations, a lot of self discovery, and you have to understand that like you both change and evolve as people. So this yeah. is something I said about you know earlier. We, we set the expectations four years ago, and there's some stuff that's like, hey, it's a little different. You know, um, just because I said that four years ago doesn't mean that I just get to do whatever I want forever. It doesn't mean mm. I can travel 45 days in a row, right? That'd suck. And mm. not be a good supportive husband, mm-hmm. let alone father, when we start having kids. Um, and so y- you need to reevaluate these things. Uh, and a lot of people are like, oh, we talked about this before we started dating. We've talked about this. I don't understand why. It's like, dude, like she's feeling a certain way and she's trying to bring that to you, man. Mm-hmm. Like let your wife come to you. She's trying to be vulnerable. Because you know what you do when you like come at that that way is you shut it down. And she stops coming to you and she bottles it up and like... And she starts talking to another man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid, you know, yeah. but but like you pushed her that way if that's what it came to, right? And so... Yeah, you could be like Uncle Jason. Oh, gosh. Oh. Yeah. That 15 minute story it was of his so ex-wife good. leaving him. So good. Like, what the heck? I was so shocked, man, especially because like we know him now mm-hmm. as, you know, this, this freaking killer in business, um, super high integrity guy. Uh, just such a freaking giver in all areas of mm-hmm. his life and somebody who just like wants to see people win, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you hear about a guy like that losing in some way and for him to be vulnerable like that oh yeah, was yeah. so cool. You know, it checks you a little bit. You're like, okay, where in my life if I, am I not giving time and attention to that I should be, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, people complain a lot about time. Everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. Worst excuse in the world. No, yeah. I, I think it's the worst excuse in the world because you know what you're not like – uh, you, if, if I were to ask you, what are your priorities? You know, you're going to tell me it's, it's, it's God, it's business, it's my family. If I were to look at your calendar, would I see the same story? What you do is what your priorities are. Mm, yeah. Right. What you say is one thing, but what's that old expression? Actions speak louder than words, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could tell you, y'all dude, my face number one, like shout out Jesus Christ, man. You know? <laughs> and then I never go to church and I never read my Bible and I never pray and I never talk to oh, God yeah. and I don't live in a godly manner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I've got a Bible verse on my Instagram page. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so it's like, man, like, what are you doing? Right? And I'm not here to judge. I don't care what you do. I'm just saying, don't tell me your priorities are one thing and then go live a different way. Don't tell me your wife and your family is a priority Mm -hmm. and then literally never intentionally make time for them. Like, here's here's another thing I'll share. And um, I know I've been talking about this for a while and you asked a really simple question, Josh. You're good, bro. Man, like I do this thing where you have long days Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. Like I work a lot of... 12 to 14 hour days, not mm-hmm. every day, but they just happen. It's oh, just part of it, I right? Know. They're just part of it. 
And so I remember we had a, we had a date night planned and I just worked a 14 hour day. Like I started early. I was starting at 6am. I didn't work out that day. And it was, uh, uh maybe I started at five 30 cause we had dinner at seven 30. It was just a long freaking day, man. I had, you know, no lunch break, didn't any time in the sun. Like it was just one of those oh, you're zoom no. fatigued cause all my stuff's remote and virtual, Dang. you know? So it was, you know, it was tough and I'm not complaining about the day, but what I will say is, uh, we had a date planned Yeah, and that was a commitment I made to my fiance. And what I don't want to do is bring the worst version of myself yeah. to that date. Mm-hmm. And so you know what I did? Man, I blasted my pump-up music. I took a cold shower. I chugged a freaking bottle of water. I was like, anything that can give me energy. I'm doing push-ups. Like, because <laughs> it is not fair to bring the worst version of yourself home. And mm-hmm. I understand your partner should be there to support you. There are times where you just like want to cuddle up and like mm-hmm. not talk and just watch a movie and have a cup of tea, whatever. But if you are consistently bring bringing the worst version of yourself to the people you care about, you are doing them a disservice. You're doing a relationship disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice, mm-hmm. right? And so I just don't buy into that stuff. And I think that's going to carry into our marriage, oh, especially yeah. into you know when we start growing our family. Like when I'm a dad, you think I'm going to want to bring like the worst version of myself? How many stories you hear? Oh, daddy's tired. Daddy had a long day at work. This, that, and the other. That's not going to be me, man. Yeah. That's not how my kids are gonna. I'm gonna turn it up another notch. Yeah, yeah right. right. Find that second win. 100, percent man. It'd be like the sixth win by then, you know. But like, well, keep it going, dude, because they didn't ask you to work a 14 hour day. Yeah. They yeah. just want to be in a relationship with you. Yeah. They just want to experience you, and they love yeah. you for that. And so, yeah, yeah, man, God's put a fire in my heart for kids recently, and so we're probably gonna start having them quick immediately. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm gonna try to wait a year if we can, but God's okay. in control, man. We'll see what yeah. happens. Dude, I heard this one quote from this one guy. I'm uh, Brandon Jordan's podcast where he's just like, I want to play it until my kids are bored. Because yeah. that, that, te- that, that teaches me to be patient. That's good. And then ultimately, it's just like you built that relationship. And that's what they'll remember. That's cool. you playing and spend that time with them. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. That's really, I mean, I'm sure you guys have stories that you remember with your parents of like, man, I remember this like one minor detail thing they did one time and it was just so freaking cool. And they probably don't even, you know, it's like, that was just another day for them. Yeah. Right. But this stuff means so much mm. to them, especially when they're growing up and you only get like 10 years where like you are their world. Right. Yeah. And then you're no longer the most important thing to them. I think I watched a Jordan Peterson video on this, how like you have this like eight to 12 year window where like you were the most important thing to them. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, friends, significant others, they start their own families and that all changes, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, man, like you just gotta be so careful because we tell ourselves these BS narratives of I'm building the business and I'm scaling this up and this, that, and the other. And it's like, man, you better figure out a better way to do it. Um, like, you know, the Naval Ramakant, right? Mm-hmm. He talks about, and Alex Ramosi's quoted him in the Almanac of Naval. It, it talks about the four uh, C's of leverage. I mean, there's four ways to get outsized returns on outputs based on certain inputs because we all have the same amount of time in a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we need to focus on the leverage, right? Like Jeff Bezos, Bezos, whatever his last name is, <laughs> he's got the same hours that I do. He's got the same hours that both of you do. Um, what's he doing better, right? It's the four C's. It's, it's capital, right? Money. We mm-hmm. can scale faster as real estate investors the more money you have. Yeah. If somebody wrote you a $10 million blank check today, you think you could hire people better, you think you could hire coaches better, you think you could put more money in marketing? Definitely. That's mm-hmm. where I allocate cash when I want to grow, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is collaboration, right? That's your staff. When you hire people, you technically have more than 24 hours in a day working for you. And that's mm-hmm. something I say to investors that are still solopreneurs. I'm like, bro, my acquisitions team's got four on it. Good luck. You know, mm. you've got, you know, eight, 12, 14 hours of work you're going to put in a day because you got to sleep, you got to eat, you got to poop, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, I got, you know, 
40 hours of people every single day going to town on our acquisitions and building the systems and going at it. So, you know, you just can't really compete, right? Um, so capital collaboration, uh, uh, code, right. Is a big one. So like, how are you using software to make sure that, um, you're saving time essentially, right? Okay. Automations, mm. follow-up drips, all that type of stuff. How can you use code to push you forward in terms of leverage, man, a CRM so mm -hmm. simple. Um, and then the last one is I'm forgetting, oh, content, right? So content or media, depending on who you're talking to, um, attention, but, attention exactly yeah. i mean we use you know facebook ads tv ads that type of stuff because you get the ability of a one-to-many relationship for very cheap mm -hmm. truly right like i can get in front of millions of people if i want to spend tens of thousands of dollars yeah right that's like yeah. kind of a hack yeah you couldn't do that 300 years ago yeah <laughs> unless you were like a government authoritarian like mm -hmm. or genghis khan i mean you know but yeah. um outside of that it was like you know like we have this ability at our fingertips for so relatively cheap and and content you can go paid or you can just like mr beast it and become just good at keeping attention mm -hmm. and the algorithm will reward you because people watch your stuff longer and they make money when people watch stuff so guess what you put out banger content People yeah. watch your stuff, you get more views naturally. Just how the game goes, right? So, yeah, yeah man, there's there's you know so many ways to scale, and if like again, like what are your priorities? Um, so there's been a lot of intentional conversations with my my fiance, soon to be wife. He asked this question like a million years ago, yeah. man. I'm sorry, <laughs> dude. I love the, the direction this conversation is going. Yeah, I feel like you know yesterday, you know when Ben was doing his introduction, he was like, yeah, I love personal finance. I could do a presentation all on mm. this, and then you just beatboxing, beatboxing, just yeah. and I'm just like, man, you guys have such a chill vibe to you guys, and you guys are young guys and it feels like we watch the same content our algorithm is probably the same on youtube totally, it's totally. like if we were all in the same geographic area we'd be best friends hanging out every single day 100 it's like man. do you guys have a community like that back in texas yeah man so ben and i just moved to texas in um august what? so we've only yeah we've only been there five months you guys out. moved together uh we do have a house together right now yeah no way on title together no 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 no, 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 We're just renting. We're just renting. And then when I get married, I'm going to swap roommates is what I say. Uh, so um, he was in Tacoma, Washington. I was in Chicago. And then when I Whoa. told him I was moving to Texas, he was like, cool, me too. I was like, all right. No way. Yeehaw, baby. What, what does that do for you guys being in Texas? Oh, man. Well, so for starters, um, I am also a partner of like a land coaching business. Okay. And so my partner on that side um, lives in Texas. That was the big driver. It was like, oh, we're going to be doing more content and stuff together. We haven't quite put our foot on the gas of that, but it's it's been helpful being in person more um so that's the big driver but as ben and i have been out there man i'll tell you like a couple of things number one we're doing projects in texas now so we're working on our first land entitlement development mm -hmm. um so that's super exciting it's about an hour from where we live we drove out we met the seller on the dirt um you know i understand why all you house guys do these in-person appointments now because they're powerful they're mm -hmm. really really powerful and so uh we we want to do more texas deals that's been really good for us us being in the same location whew, man same like, house, I could imagine. Same house is cool. We've just scaled up. Like Q4 was a lot of fun for us. Yeah. Because you're just in person. Yeah. You have these conversations quick. Yeah. You know, sometimes when you're not in the same location, you can go 48, 72 hours without having something that takes three minutes to work oh, through. Oh, yeah. Right. 100%. And you can do some of it through Slack and you can do Zoom, yeah. but it's all just different. Yeah. It's all different. We got a whiteboard at the house that, you know, we use. We'll go sit down at a coffee shop. So that's number one. Number two, I mean, um, Ben and I have said this, Texas, like Dallas specifically, it feels like we're working with the grain instead of against the grain. So I'll tell mm -hmm. you, when I was in Chicago, I tried so hard to find an investor community. It was so mm -hmm. hard for me to find young people who were like us, you know, mm -hmm. entrepreneurial journey, believers. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of like people that like uh, 
are not believers, especially mm-hmm. in a big city. Um, man, you go to Texas and everybody's a Christian. It's God's country out there, man. People say, sir, and man, people hold the door for you. There's like, and the thing about, you know, regardless of what your faith is, what I'll say is that religion drives morality. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't have a God, um, why is it bad to take a life? Mm. Where, it's, where does that, you know, it's a discussion of philosophy, but morality stems from faith historically. It's just where it comes from. You read some C.S. Lewis? Uh, not lately. Okay, not that was, lately. That was some points in mere Christianity. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I've not read mere Christianity, but it sounds like I should. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm sure I listened to an interview of somebody that quoted C.S. Lewis as Probably, well. Yeah. I heard that, and I'm regurgitating it now. Uh, but it's true, right? I mean, I've been to um, Qatar, Middle Eastern mm-hmm. country. Phenomenal people. Man, the nicest people. My brother was in Dubai, and he left his wallet in a taxi, and the taxi driver came back to wow. his hotel. Man, when you have again, like I don't care what the faith is, as long as it has like a moral compass, mm. people behave better. Uh-huh. Like society just runs better. Like yeah. and, the good people, you know. And again, like gets into discussion. Okay, what's good? What's bad? Everybody listening to this says, yeah, it's a good thing to bring the wallet back, right? Why? Why can't you just steal it? Because faith drives morality, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah. Um, we're living in a godless world right now yeah, we are man. well i'll tell you man way. texas feels like god's country though seriously and Te- so texas versus the world yeah Texas <laughs> versus, man they'll take texans will take that bet though. right yeah. <laughs> they texas loves texas man um so it feels like that and we've just uh we got plugged into a lifetime out there so we've met a lot of good land real estate investors out there um we, we're finding new people at church man we're finding um entrepreneurs at church that that men's group i was telling you about it's called mighty men it's sick man it's it's awesome imagine um and half the room's entrepreneurs Mm. half the room's entrepreneurs there's so many out there and so we're finding people it just feels like we're working with the grain man like we haven't found like our group yet if you Mm. know what i mean but we're starting to have our people yeah it's awesome it's awesome that you guys live together you guys work together it kind of sounds like me josh and kenny or like more so me and josh because i see him Every single day, he only yeah. lives like 15 minutes away from me. That's and then great. We come into the office, and then we go to church together. That's great. Yeah. We just do so many things together. And it's just like, well, when I need my time or when he needs his time, we just don't talk to each other. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, that's how we don't get sick of one another because 100%. in the beginning, it probably was more like that. But then over time, it's just like, ooh, I don't know. I think I just started like reading reading you josh and i was just like yeah i'm not gonna talk to this guy let's let him be in the zone he started wearing earplugs while he's working i wear earplugs when i sleep and he got into that as well but then he started wearing earplugs when he's like reading or doing something i'm just like yeah it's not a time to bother him yeah man (laughs) you gotta lock in that's one thing do you ever you guys ever struggle like getting work done because you just want to like hang out and talk. Yeah, um, so if if it were up to me, the answer would be yes. But we have Ben in the company, <laughs> and anybody that hasn't met Mr. Ben, uh, just that dude gets it done more than anybody I know. So like, there's been yeah. times where like we're in the midst of you know something like a more casual conversation, maybe or just something high level, and he gets a ping from the team, and he's like, "Hey, I'm distracted until I get this done," you know. And so it's like, "Okay, cool, let's get it done." Or do we need to work through this together? No, I got it. Okay, cool. So. Um, the answer is no, but that's not because we're phenomenal. It's because Ben is phenomenal <laughs> that's awesome. at discipline and yeah. focus. And so um, it's it's great in our partnership. So we're we're driving things forward pretty frequently, and we're seeing each other to get all the little stuff out of the way. And we still have recurring meetings on the calendar. You know, they're just in our living room sometimes, mm-hmm. which is cool. Mm-hmm. Or at the dining table, or we'll go to Panda Express together, Chipotle, whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's it's been really, really good for us just in terms of getting that stuff done, but it doesn't mean we don't need intentionality, right? Yeah. Kind of the same in marriage. Like, just because you live together and you sleep in the mm-hmm. same bed 
doesn't mean you don't need date night on the calendar. doesn't mean you don't need like certain things intentionally planned out. Just because you're attached does not mean you need to stop. Again, that's where For it sure. starts. We became a business partnership. That's where it starts. We started living together. That's where it starts, right? Yeah. And so now it's all right. How do we build? How do we build? Yeah, dude, I was wondering... Would you guys be interested in like coming to Delaware for like a week or something? We could all work in the same place. I don't Man. know. I was like thinking that, dude. I was like, dang, that'd that, be cool. That would be neat. It's just like you fly some CG people in for like a week, and if people are doing remote businesses and they got some systems already set up in place, like what more could we do if we, you know, we just hung out around one another, worked. Get a little incubator like, going. Little incubator. Yeah, that'd be sweet, like, man. And then people just cycle in and out if they want. It's just like be like an ongoing thing it'd be fun i, I thought that'd that was, be game that'd be a very interesting idea because uh, we bought this dope victorian 3400 square foot house oh. inside uh the city of wilmington and you know city of wilmington it's like 30 minutes away from philadelphia mm. thir- like south philadelphia so we're not too far it's like new york jr that's kind of what they call okay it. okay no one i don't know if people actually call it that but the people at chase because there's a yeah you know, what's it called JP Morgan Chase oh, yeah, yeah. branch in Wilmington that they switch a lot of employees back and forth between New York and Wilmington. Okay. And a lot of banking is there, a lot of lawyers are there. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I love Delaware, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people are just like, what the heck is going on here? There's like nothing going on here. But honestly, it's a great place to work. I'm trying to talk to him about, hey, why you should come to Delaware in order to we should all work together, like for a week. And see how much could we possibly get done, or could we add value to one another? Dude, I kind of want to visit Texas, bro. Yeah, no. Y'all can come through <laughs> that, Texas. Yeah, we should do it. We can do it at your place too. Yeah, yeah dude, I mean, come through. What are you yeah. doing tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that idea could work anywhere. Yeah, I would just think like, dang, if we just critiqued one another's businesses, some some eyes from the outside, totally, and get just, like deep. That's mm, the thing. Like, I yeah. love CG. Um, but it's so fast. It's very fast. You know, it's like you, you got presentations, you're debriefing on that. You're trying to reconcile ideas. You're trying to implement. And then you're also like trying to talk through people with like, Hey, my bottleneck right now, here's what I need. Here's the support I need. Yeah. And so you don't really have the ability to get like, you, you can, but mm-hmm. it's hard to get super granular multiple times. Right. Mm-hmm. Versus like, yeah, when you're together for a couple of days and there's like no like concrete agenda or like presentation necessarily, yeah. like you can really get into it. I'm not discrediting CG and saying they need to change anything about that. No, it just, no. it serves a different purpose. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, man, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Come out to Texas guys. Yeehaw. We'll go out to the range. Get a, I don't know if you guys like to shoot, but <laughs> we can go out to a range. We can go out to uh, do it. a property or something. You guys can see some land. See so, yeah, we so can see, see some land. I want to stand on that dirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We want to test that soil. <laughs> test that soil, man. Yeah. Yeah. So what do the next, how, how far do you set your vision out? Do you do five years, 10 years? Man, you know, what's funny is I tell you I'm a visionary and I can see into the future, but at the same time, it's it's frustrating because I learn so much so quickly that the vision changes so often. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really like a 12 to 18 month thing for us pretty consistently. And I focus more on systems than I do outcomes. And so a lot of people say I want to make X and I'm more so like I want to walk into this much equity this year because that's like, again, with our cash conversion cycle, like my annual planning would have to stop in like October, maybe a little sooner, September, you know? Um, so what I can tell you is the goal for this year. So we did um, over a half million in real revenue this past year. And we've got um, about 350 or so of like contract equity we walked mm-hmm. into, whether it's properties we own or actively wholesaling. Um, and so the, the goal this year is, is 1.5 in like real revenue, meaning gross profits for anybody that doesn't know that mm-hmm. term. 
um, in flips and wholesale because that's what we focused on. And now we're, we're bridging our way into entitlements, um, subdivides, like minor lot splits, major lot splits, that type of thing. Our first entitlement project right now has got about 600 in spread in it. And so the goal is to do another 1.5 in that stuff. Um, so working with realtors to have those deals funneled to us, they've just got a much longer cash conversion cycle. Mm-hmm. So I'm like a wholesale, you know, I can make money in 60 days, right? Um, not all the time, but mm-hmm. I can make money in 60 days on an entitlement. You're not making money for six months on the, on the like fast end can be up to 18 though, pretty mm-hmm. commonly. And then on a subdivide, if I'm like, you know, uh, doing due diligence, cutting up dirt, if, uh, I need to do well water cause I do stuff in rural country a lot. You know, you got to get test well driller out there. How deep's the water, test the water quality. Um, do I need to put Dells, uh, uh, um, wells in, do we need to put driveways in, do we need to put culverts in so people can drive over pretty easily and drainage and da 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 da. You know, it's a bunch of stuff. But again, on that stuff, it's a 16 to 18 month kind of cash conversion. So, um, the goal right now is to build a really consistent $3 million gross profit business annually. And that's kind of, we're building the foundation for that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I think we can do it with about the team we have right now, maybe one more lead manager and one more acquisitions. But generally speaking, um, 2023 was a big like foundation year for us. Mm. Like we just, we just planted the seeds, you know, we, we did fine, right? We made money. But it was really like a, a building year for us where we put systems in place and learned a lot about leadership and culture yeah. and team. And yeah. so um, now our acquisitions are dialed. Like all our metrics are green. And so now we just got to make it rain marketing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle also as a visionary when it comes to setting that 10-year vision because we always underestimate what we could do in 10 years and totally. overestimate what we could do in 12 months. It's true. It's, it's true. like... How do we find that medium, you know? It's a tough, tough balance, like everything. Um, you know, I really, again, like I'm just so young, I don't want to set limits on myself. I see pros and cons being where we're at, like in terms of, I like elements of um, what we do in real estate. What I don't like is the inability for a recurring revenue. So I think that's what yep. people seek out when they like build up rental portfolios, yep. buy apartments, self-storage, that type of thing. Man, when you don't have recurring revenue, like the business could die quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're you're susceptible to market conditions, you're susceptible to government. We saw what happened with the Fed. If you were in wholesale and that was your only income stream and the Fed starts hiking up rates like crazy, your income can get affected pretty quick, right? And so I recognize in terms of just like the best businesses in the world, running a sales and marketing business, it's a good way to learn how to make money. I'll tell you, like what we're doing right now is about the skills. Next three to five years, I just want to stack skills. Mm. Um, and then we'll, like, three to five years, we're going to reevaluate as to what's, like, the business I want to build for the next, like, 20 years, you know? Yeah. Um, I love what we're doing in land, but I'd be lying to you if I said, like, this is it. You know, this is what I'm going to be doing for the next 80 years is freaking flipping dirt remotely, right? Yeah. And so it, it's a great business. I, I love it. But, again, it's really, like, how do we learn sales? How do we learn marketing? How do we learn negotiations? How do we learn, you know, teams? How do we learn uh, uh, finances, financials, all that type of stuff, right? Yeah. And along the way, like those skills, like I said at the beginning, don't go away. You can take away my money. You can take away my teams. You can change the market conditions. I'm always going to know how to sell. Yeah. It's like these local billion dollar like real estate investors per each market. Yeah. They weren't the same company or the same people as they were when they started where their families had started 50 years ago. Right. It's a big progression. I don't think they could have seen themselves being worth a billion dollars right. or have billion dollar portfolios. So. That's one of the things that I really struggle with, and I like what you had said with like 12, 18-month visions and just having permission 
to change where you guys are going. But totally. it's like, um, how do you not make your team nervous with the instability of vision changing so frequently? Yeah. Um, you know, a, a big part of it for us has been inviting them into um, the decision making. Mm-hmm. So we make decisions with our team now. Mm-hmm. It's not just us on the top that says, oh, we're going to start doing novations. You know, like obviously that stuff might happen. And when it does, um, I think I said this to my small group yesterday. You know, we as entrepreneurs, we study all the same books, the first like 20 books, you know, how to win friends and influence people, think mm-hmm. and grow rich, richest man in Babylon, rich dad, poor dad. Everybody reads all those books. Mm-hmm. That's how you learn to get to like 10 grand a month, right? And um, one of the principles in one of those books, how to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie says, convince people that ideas are their own. Right. Yeah. Let people mm-hmm. think ideas are their own. And so, you Sales know, tactic. exactly. And that's something we do with our team is when I know we're heading somewhere, I'm just going to ask questions to get them there. So now they're bought in. Uh, Jenny Hudspeth, uh, mm-hmm. who you guys know, and is, is we work with Jenny and Annie. They're phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about them. But this phrase that Jenny uses, she says, authorship creates ownership. Mm. And so when people like write the idea, it's theirs now, right? Mm. Well, you know, hey, Veronica, you said that, um, so, so you think, uh, let me, let me start over, you know, and be like, oh, Veronica, like, hey, so we're, we're having trouble, like, leveraging all the leads, it sounds like, or you're not converting. Okay, do, do you think we'd convert more if uh, we were able to offer more? Yeah, okay. Well, how do you think we'd be able to do that? Well, if we did more, like, attorney and facts, we could probably do that more often. Oh, okay. So should we do that more? Um, I guess, well, if you think we should, let's, let's go ahead and start doing that more. How can we write that into our process? You know, and then just, and then you get at it, but you ask those questions and they're so bought in. Mm. Right. And now when they run into roadblocks, it's like, Hey, you said this would be better. Where can I support you? My job as the owner, as the visionary, as CEO, whatever fancy title you want to throw on yourself, um, is to support the team. I need to give them the tools, but they're in charge of their own success. Something I say to every team member when I onboard, I say, Jesse, Josh, who's in charge of your success? You, right? And ideally, you respond with that. And if you don't, I made a hiring mistake, right? <laughs> but who's in charge of your success? And then, you know, Josh is in charge of his success. Jesse's in charge of his success. Okay, got it. I agree. And I think the way this relationship is going to work is I want you to be in charge of your success and I'm going to give you the tools to do that. And when you feel like you don't have the tools to do that, you leverage me. I'm here to support you to be successful, but you're in charge of being successful, right? Your personal trainer just gives you the tools, Mm -hmm. but he can't make you do the workout, Yeah. Yeah. right? You're in charge of your own health success, business success, financial, romantic, whatever. Um, You like have to do the things. There's no way around it. Bro, that's a fire line. I love that. Josh, you got to use that now. You got to ask people who's in charge of your success. That's a good line, yeah. I love that. He's because honestly, I was like, am I really in charge of my own success? And it's like, <laughs> you know, you got to find the people, the killers who are just like, me, I'm a warrior. Yeah. I'm a savage. I'm just going to go in there totally. and rip heads apart. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. That's no, who you no. want. Maybe not. No, that's definitely Maybe. who you want. <laughs> I think that I th- depends on the role. Yeah, man. honestly, it depends on the role. Yeah, right? I don't need that like for TC. Right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want any heads ripped off. But I'll take that in acquisitions all day. Yeah. I think we need a part two for this podcast. So maybe we'll be in Texas or you'll come to Delaware. Hit That'd me up, dope. man. And then we'll get Ben. You know, yeah, let's do it. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, guys, appreciate you having me on. If anybody wants to hit me up, I'm active on IG at investing with Ajay. So feel free to give me a follow, shoot me a DM. I'm pretty active on there. You're natural. All right, this has been the Not Genius Podcast, signing out. Have a great week. Bye.
Bye.